What is up, fight fans? Welcome to my podcast, also known as the MMA Anomaly Show. I'm your host, Olin Stewart, aka MMA Anomaly. And if you're new here, make sure you like, comment, subscribe, and smash that bell for notifications. What is up, fight fans? Welcome back to another episode of the MMA Anomaly Show. I'm your host, Olin Stewart, aka MMA Anomaly. And I'm going to start by saying, as always, all these video clips, I do not own the rights to. These rights are owned by ESPN, Zufa, and UFC. Make sure you check out these fights on ESPN+, and uh, definitely make sure that you subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. Now, I'm just going to go ahead and come right out and address the elephant in the room. Last week slash last episode, I made probably the most horrendous picks I've ever made in my entire history of making these types of picks. Um, I, I think I got one out of the, what, six or seven that I guessed right which is horrible, I let you all down, I apologize, I let my emotions lead me astray, I bet emotionally rather than choosing based on facts, and with that being said, we are going to jump right into the card, we'll start at the bottom and work our way up to the main event. Opening up the main card, we had Paul Krieg going in against Vulcan Ozdemir, um, I thought that this fight was going to end up going very similarly to how it did, I just thought that somehow Vulcan would get baited into the ground game and get submitted. That was not the case. He was very patient. Vulcan went out there and showed that he does belong in the top 15 of the light heavyweight division in the UFC. Still, he went out there. He held his own. He made it look pretty easy against Paul Craig, and he showed people that if you want to beat Paul Craig, don't let Paul Craig do Paul Craig things. I mean, for Christ's sake, the guy's Paul Craig. He's going to submit you if you let him. So he didn't give him the chance to submit him. Instead, he went out there. He slanged and banged, and he made the fight go his way. Great job to Vulcan Ozdemir. Now, what is next for these gentlemen? I think Vulcan Ozdemir should fight Nikita Kraloff, who also got a great win on this fight card on Saturday. And when it comes to Paul Krieg, I think that he should take a step down in competition and fight somebody who just recently broke into the top 15 in Dustin Jacoby. Let me know what you think of those picks below and who you think these two should fight, as well as the rest of the people I'm going to name off on the card. Now, moving into the next fight, we had Molly the Meatball McCann going in against Hannah Goldie. I was a doubter. I thought Molly got lucky in her last fight. Um, I didn't think that that was going to play out the way it did for this fight because Hannah Goldie is a pretty well-rounded fighter. I thought Hannah Goldie was going to be able to negate the uh, striking onslaught early from Molly the Meatball McCann by utilizing her wrestling, but that just wasn't the case. She was willing to exchange with Molly. She was willing to trade with her, and it was realistically, it was just the beginning of her downfall. Right, We saw Molly McCann not only have a stellar performance, but she made lightning strike twice. She landed that spinning back elbow again. It didn't put her opponent out, but the following barrage of punches did. Try and throw a video clip in the video for you. That way you guys can see that. Um, again, I tip my hat off to Molly the Meatball McCann. I thought she did a fantastic job out there. And now I'm a fan. I'm looking forward to seeing what's next for her. In the uh, post-fight presser, she actually called out Antonina Shevchenko. She said that that would be a good test for her to get ready for big sister Shevchenko. Uh, I think that's a great call-out. I think Antonina Shevchenko is definitely right around the same caliber as Molly McCann, and that's a winnable fight for Molly. Do I think she does well against Valentina? Mm, I don't know. She'll have to make a believer out of me. But I do think Antonina is the next logical step. Now, when it comes to Hannah Goldie, who should she face next? I think if she doesn't get cut by the UFC, which I'm hoping she doesn't, that they give her a chance against somebody else that's had kind of a rough go of things, maybe a uh, Maria Agapova or an Ariane Lipsky. I think that both of those fights would be great, um, be a lot of fun for us fans to watch, and I think it'd be a great way for all women involved to both showcase their skills that they've improved upon and test themselves. 
Now, moving into this next fight, it was a bit harder to watch. We had Alexander Gustafson, who, again, he's had kind of a falling from grace lately. He stepped up to heavyweight a few years back, lost via submission, and now he's going back down to light heavyweight to go against a very game opponent and Nikita Krylov. And, I mean, is it Krylov or Krylov? I think it's Krylov. I apologize. Nikita Krylov went out there and, and did the thing. The first shot he landed on Gustafson hurt Alexander Gustafson. It was, it was again, it was hard to watch. It seemed like uh, his chin's just not there anymore. And realistically, what's next for Gustafson might be retirement. I know no fighter likes to hear this, and it's not my place to say, but at the same time, as a fan, it wasn't fun to watch seeing him eat one shot and get rocked the way that he did. Incredible to see him fight his way back into it the way he did after getting rocked so early on, but it was just more of the same. He ate a short uppercut, dropped to his knees. It was, it was just bad. Again, I'll try and throw a clip of that in here, as sad as it is. Uh, maybe we'll play some tiny violins along with it while I'm playing that clip. Can we just... And what's next for Nikita Krylov? Again, if you were paying attention earlier in the video, I think Volk and Ojdemir is a really, really good matchup for him. They both sit around the right place rankings-wise. They both sit around the right place skill set-wise. I think that fight would be an absolute fireworks fight, and it'd be a great way for both men to see where they realistically stack up against top 10, top 15 competitors. Now, as for the next fight, I've been saying it all along. Scousers don't get knocked out. I'm on, I'm all aboard. I'm, I'm all aboard the hype train. Um, I thought Jordan Levitt was going to come out here and just take him down, take him out. And I, that was not the case. Jordan Levitt, I think, did win the first round, even though Patty came back in the end of the first round and uh, ended that first round in a pretty dominant position. I did think Levitt did win the first round, but it doesn't matter because our boy Patty the Batty won the fight, ladies and gentlemen. Went out there, he got it done. And not only that, he got it done impressively. The guy, like, he he had this body triangle where he trapped Levitt's arm. So he had a guy fighting a, a submission with literally one arm. And then afterwards, he delivered on his promise of hitting him with the Modern Warfare teabag. He teabagged him, lad. So it was beautiful. Uh, he went out there. He teabagged him. Fucking Patty the Batty. Fucking Patty the Batty. I'm a big fan. Big fan. Color me shocked, color me stunned, color me a fan. So now that we got that out of the way, I am officially a Patty the Batty fanboy. I am Batty certified, baby. Uh, what's next for these fellows? So we got uh, we got Jordan Levitt. I think that he should fight Luigi Vendramini. Um, he said that Patty's previous opposition were not impressive. I think he should show, show his skills against one of those people, namely Luigi Vendramini. Uh, now, what's next for Patty the Batty Pimblet? I think the guy has has gone through his fair share of, I don't want to say nobodies, but people that are really unknown to most of the MMA casual world, right? So what we need now is we need some name value, we need some face value, and we need a Jim Miller. We need a Jim Miller to go in there against Patty the Batty Pemblet, and I, for one, am all for it. I think if Jim Miller would accept that fight um, and Patty would accept that fight, the fans would win no matter what happens in that fight. So... Jim Miller is an always game, always down veteran of the sport. He seemingly is willing to fight anybody they put in front of him. I don't think it'd be any different if they put a Patty the Batty in front of him. And I think if they put Patty the Batty in front of him, what ends up happening is either A, Patty the Batty gets the biggest win of his entire mixed martial arts career over a UFC veteran and legend in Jim Miller. 
It skyrockets his fame. It skyrockets his his capabilities as a mixed martial artist and what he's able to do as far as in the eyes of the matchmakers. And if he loses and he doesn't go out like, you know, without a fight, then it shows that he's game and willing to go against these tough competitors like Jim Miller and that maybe he belongs at the top upper echelon of mixed martial arts, especially in the lightweight division. Jumping into the co-main event, we had Jack the Joker Hermanson going up against Chris the Action Man Curtis. Again, battle of the cool nicknames. Hero versus villain. The Action Man versus the Joker. <laughs> um, who do we think won this one, guys? I mean, I thought Chris was going to go out there and do a lot of different things, but that didn't happen. I said he was going to constantly pressure forward. That was the case. However, he was following Jack Hermanson the entire fight, not cutting him off. Chris actually showed quite a huge hole in his game as far as footwork and overall just striking competency. So he followed his opponent rather than cutting him off. Now, what I mean by that is his opponent is circling around the cage, circling around the cage. Now, what Chris was doing was standing on the inside of that, that setup and just following him around the entire cage. Whereas if you see that somebody is circling the outside of the cage, you can actually cut them off if you step sideways rather than just pacing in the same exact direction as them. You can cut them off, making them have to switch directions, uh, making them circle into a head kick or a body punch or whatever the case may be. There are a lot of different setups and things that you can do or make happen if you understand and grasp the concept of footwork. Um, it really seemed like Chris Curtis just didn't get it. And uh, he did start making some slight adjustments towards the end of the fight. But as usual, it was too little, too late. And Jack Hermanson just looked absolutely incredible in that fight. Probably the best striking, best footwork we've ever seen from him. And I'm here for it. Again, uh, what do we think should happen next for these gentlemen? I think Chris Curtis matches up perfectly against a Brad Tavares. Um, he just took a fight on short notice against somebody in the top 15. Let him fight somebody on the other end of the top 15, closer to maybe where he's at right now as far as skill set. And that'll kind of give us a fair assessment of whether or not Chris Curtis really does belong in the UFC top 15 of the middleweight rankings. And when it comes to Jack the Joker Hermanson, I think a Sean Strickland rematch makes the most sense. Why should he realistically accept another fight against Darren Till just for Darren Till to possibly pull out again? That was the third time that fight's been scheduled, the third time that fight hasn't happened. And I think he's earned a rematch against Sean Strickland, who's coming off of a loss, and I think would be more than happy to take another fight against Jack the Joker Hermanson. Now, in the main event, we had Curtis Razor Blades going up against Tom Aspinall. Tom Aspinall. So when it comes to the main event, nothing at all went as expected. I, for one, thought Tom Aspinall was going to come out and just have a stellar performance against the toughest opposition he's had to face yet. Instead, he threw a kick. Um, it looked like the technique on the kick was actually pretty sound. I've went back and rewatched the kick numerous times. He pivots on the back foot. He does everything right. Um, the only thing that went wrong is his opponent was ready for it, so to speak. He didn't lift his leg up to check the kick, but he did something that Daniel Cormier back in my American Kickboxing Academy training days would refer to as the lazy check. He let all of his leg weight or all of his weight just kind of rest on that leg. And what that does for your opponent that's throwing the kick is it basically sets it up to where they're kicking just a tree trunk of a muscle. So if you're not used to that or if you just it's a freak accident, right? It's combat sports. These things happen. And in this case, that's what happened. Somebody threw a good kick. Somebody defended it somewhat well. And we saw a knee pop. Um, could be an MCL tear, judging by the amount of agonizing pain he was in. He was literally laying down in the center of the octagon, screaming in pain. Typically, in what we've seen in combat sports, MCL tears tend to be more agonizing than ACL tears. Or it could also just be a, uh, a bone that popped out of socket when he landed that kick. 
that's what I'm leaning towards just because of the way everything happened and played out. Um, obviously, not what any of us as fans wanted to see. It was definitely hard to watch. Curtis Blades as a fighter, that's not how he wants to get the win, whether he walks away with two paychecks or not. Not what he wanted to happen. He went up to uh, Aspinall's hotel and had a beer with him after the fight at some point yesterday, which I thought was a great showing of character. And jumping into you know the, the real important things here, A, I hope Tom Aspinall has a super speedy recovery. That way he can get back in there as soon as possible. He's very, very young, so I, I don't see this putting him out for a ton of time, hopefully. And then when it comes to Curtis Blades, I wish him nothing but the best. Again, not the way he wanted to win. I'm sure he wouldn't wish that on anybody. And either way, love him, hate him, whether you were rooting for Tom Aspinall like myself or not, Curtis is a great guy, always a class act, and he went out there and did his job. He walked to an octagon to win a fight. He walked out of that octagon as the winner of the fight. So what's next for these guys? For Tom Aspinall, it's hard to say. I don't know if he'll be out for six months or a year, and the entire complexity of the heavyweight division could realistically change within that next six months to a year. When it comes to Curtis Blades, I think the thing that makes the most sense for him is to sit out and wait and fight the winner of Taitu Ivasa versus Surreal Ghana. Um, I think that's the best fight for him. And at this point in his career, he does deserve to fight for the belt again. So let's see it happen. And let's see who takes the cake whenever it comes to Taitu Ivasa versus Surreal Ghana. Now, as always, make sure you like, comment, subscribe, smash that bell for notifications. And if you haven't already, uh, please, please, please let me know what you think of the channel, what you like, what you dislike, what you want to see more of, what you want to see less of. And uh, yeah, looking forward to the feedback. I always look forward to the, the love and support from all of you. And as always, I will see you next episode. Thanks.